You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We are starting to preview those week six games, starting with Thursday Night Football, another game in London. Uh, but a special guest as well joining us first to talk about everything going on in Las Vegas with the Raiders. You know him, you love him, your boy Q. Find him on Twitter at your boy Q254. No longer in Central Texas, he is in Las Vegas, Nevada, covering the Las Vegas Raiders right here on the network. Locked on Raiders, doing locked on bets, Fox Sports, ESPN. Like, how many radio gigs do you have, and how do you have a voice left to jump on here with us? And we thank you for it here on the Peacock and Williamson Show Q. Well, I mean, first and foremost, if you guys call, I'm definitely going to hop on the show, so I'll, yeah. I'll find a voice, you know. <laughs> but uh, this is a good thing, man. I mean, being busy is what I like to do, and uh, it's a really busy week, and it's been a really busy, you know, few months really being here in Las Vegas. But I mean, this is what we love to do, right? So as long as someone wants to hear me, I'm here to be heard. So it's all good. Q man, it's great talking to you. The last time I saw you was at the combine. You were. You know, some or not the combine. I'm sorry, the Hall of Fame. You yep. know, you first time I met you in person. I'm broadcasting Steelers, and you're like two tables down talking Raiders. And I'm like, boy, he sounds familiar. <laughs> you know, some Raiders went in the hall, a bunch of Steelers went in. So it was great meeting you. I wanted to let everyone know that happened. Um, this Gruden thing obviously is why we have you on, and you're close to that team. I'm close to Steelers, so I kind of have a feel for, you know, where you sit in the organization, and you're not inside the room. Right. But did you think there was any inclination of this two weeks ago before any of it came out? You know, that's that's a good question, and I'm sure that there was probably something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't ever think that we get things first, you know? And so it just kind of feels like there was probably a little bit coming down the pipeline, and maybe it was thought as, oh, this is not going to be a big deal. Uh, they're just kind of bluffing, or this isn't really a real conversation. It just feels like there probably was something going on, and I, I've been trying to kind of go back through my mind and think about different media sessions that I was at and trying to pinpoint a day where maybe John Gruden wasn't in a really good mood, or maybe he was, you know, really short with the media. But there's been so many times that he's been that, and then there's been so many times that he's been really energetic and and happy and joking, kind of like he was the the last few days uh, leading up to last Friday. Um, Then then all of a sudden it just kind of, you know, went a little bit south, and and ultimately what happened on Monday went way south. But it's just – it's, it's really one I can't pinpoint and say this is exactly when everything was known. But I'll tell you, by that performance that the team had on Sunday, <laughs> there was a lot of conversation going on about it because, man, they were nowhere to be seen, especially not on Allegiant Stadium's field. Yeah, that was it's been a rough go. It was 11 days going from 3-0 and to 3-2, and losing your head coach. It can't be a good vibe around the team, a good vibe around the locker room. I think the quote from Derek Carr yesterday was, I love the man, but I hate the sin or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he, I, I, it's been a tough sell for me for his entire career for Derek Carr. I know Matt has been much more on on Derek Carr's bandwagon than I have as far as just being an NFL quarterback. But it's pretty much got to be up to him now, right? It's like Raiders against the world, and he's the leader. He's the quarterback. If they're going to go anywhere this year, he has to right that shit. 
Yeah, I would think so, you know, and that's been some of the conversation we've been having on the radio station, on the podcast, obviously, is, you know, this is a team that's not 0-5. They're not, you know, a terrible team. They're in, they're tied for second in the AFC West. You know, the Chiefs of all teams are in last. Like, what world are we in when the <laughs> Chiefs are in last? But, I mean, that's where we are right now. And so you see the Raiders sitting there at 3-2 and two with a tough game coming up on Sunday against the Broncos, who, by the way, like I said, are tied for second as well. This is a huge game. What's, what direction does this team go? Do they take the, hey, this is going to be, like you said, Raiders against the world, and we're going to go out and show everybody we're more than just a head coach. We're more than just a John Gruden, you know, the face of the franchise. We are a lot of talented players that can go get it done. Or are they going to roll up in a ball and just say, hey, woe is us, and this is unfair, and we've been treated uh, incorrectly, and our coach got, you know, removed, and, and, and it wasn't fair to him. And I mean, what approach are they going to take? From everything I heard, from the media session uh, on yesterday with uh, Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, Mike Mayock, the GM, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, uh, Max Crosby, they all sound like it's all full throttle, you know, full steam ahead, and that they're ready to go and lead this team on their own. Josh Jacobs told us on Sunday that coaches call the plays, but we we manage ourselves. We handle what we have to do ourselves. We're accountable for what we're our actions. So. I'm interested to see the reaction to this game. It's not going to be easy. It's in Denver. That's going to be a, a, a hurdle that they have to overcome as well. But uh, I'm interested to see how they react to this because it is going to be interesting. It's going to be a little bit tough. But, um, man, I'll tell you, if they go on a nice run and turn the season into something, boy, there'll be a heck of a story at the end of the year, wouldn't it? Oh, Absolutely. it sure would. And, boy, they have a brutal schedule too, which doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Uh, I certainly have some football questions for you. But – and I, I, you know me, I don't like talking about off the field stuff and, right. you know, all these things as much. I'd rather talk, you know, about what happens between the lines. But that locker room to me is really interesting in that they have an openly gay player. They have two players that are openly fighting, overcoming alcoholism. You know, like it doesn't seem like a locker room that's a f- afraid's probably the same, the wrong word, but bashful about, you know, showing things to their former head coach. You know, I mean, it's strange to me. Right. No, it is. And, you know, that's the thing. Carl Nassib, he asked for a a day off, a personal day yesterday. And, of course, the team granted it to him. He's got a lot of emotions going through because, I mean, this guy came out, uh, admitted to his uh, teammates, openly came out and said, hey, I'm gay. And they all embraced him, including the head coach. And then you find out in emails that were written by the head coach, not necessarily about Carl Nassib, but basically – bashing a gay guy you know what i mean it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's so i can understand the emotions going through his mind uh max crosby and darren waller they've you know they fought substance abuse i mean there's all kind of things they got richie incognito in the locker room i mean let's right, talk, right, right. he's got it. some issues yeah he's got history i mean there's a lot of of different personalities and different things going on in that locker room so i want to see how these guys rally and how they rally around each other you know i mean even josh jacobs he's a guy that you know early in his life you know lived in the car with his dad i mean there's just so you know i mean there's just so many different kind of like i said personalities and and people that have come together to try to form this team and and i've gotten off to a good start again they were three and oh and they've lost two straight but Man, I'll tell you, they they they've really got to really embrace each other and and like Jacob said, kind of uh, police themselves and 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 really just lead this team. And I think they have the leaders to do it, uh, led by Derek Carr, of course. But but they got to go out there and do it. So that's what it is. It's it's more than talking about it. It's out there being about it. So that's that's what's going to be interesting and get started on Sunday. Yeah, the leadership's so important, and you don't want to lose the headway that you've made with some really 
good young players. That, that right. is, I think, the reason the, the Raiders really made a jump this year. Guys like Henry Ruggs is the guy that you thought you were drafting in 2020 in the first round. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch. He leads the team in receiving yards on only 17 receptions. I mean, he's dynamic as an athlete. I love seeing him go up and get the ball and, and make some of those dirty catches where you can make a catch in traffic. And I saw that on film in Alabama, and I love seeing that same player now show up in year two with the Raiders. And, and Brian Edwards, I think, can be a chain-moving type of player for the Raiders. Obviously, Darren Waller is Darren Waller getting 10 targets per game. I, I think they could probably even throw it to him more like they did in week one um can you talk to me about those young receivers and the pass catchers and are are you worried at all about the development right now with everything that's going on at the top no you know it's funny I like those guys a lot I think uh everything you said about Ruggs and Edwards was spot on uh Ruggs has really stepped up especially uh even with just his body shape I mean he put on 13 pounds of muscle in the offseason and knew he had to get stronger to get off of press coverage and he just seems like he's a lot more confident and Derek Carr looks like he's a lot more confident in throwing him the ball you know that's one of the things he's been saying is that I trust Edwards I trust Ruggs I trust Renfro I'll I'll throw these guys I'll give them that 50-50 ball where there's times where he wouldn't do it and he says hey look it's still a bad pass it's not a, a high percentage pass but I trust that they'll go make the play and so far this season they have shown that they can do that Henry Ruggs I really like his development and now I'm just interested to see with everything going on, now Greg Olson's going to be calling the plays. He's uh, had a long history with Derek Carr going back to his rookie year. So I want to just see how Derek Carr, maybe you see a little bit different Derek Carr than you would normally see with John Gruden in his ear, how it's going to change with with uh, Greg Olson in his ear. But I think that he uh, it's good that he's developed that trust in these wide receivers because I think he's going to use them a lot. The Raiders' run game has struggled so far this year. So I think a lot of this is really going to be on the shoulder of Derek Carr. So we'll see if he's up to the test. Yeah, that's, that's really the last thing I had for you, too, was how much do you know about that Olsen-Carr relationship? I mean, just football between the lines, X's and O's. I've always praised Gruden as an offensive mind, and he's obviously very hands-on with the offense for a head coach in this league. I don't think he's much of a team builder, but that's a whole different story. I mean, right. that's an offseason conversation. I have to think that Carr's play suffers a little because I really thought Gruden put him in a great situation to succeed yeah I mean and they were they were feeding off each other too you know it's like Carr was the the John Gruden on the field he knew exactly what coach wanted him to do and he was going out there and he was executing it uh to the to the his his greatest extent you know I mean he was really looking like he was clicking on all cylinders but with that being said I know that there's been times in the past before John Gruden that Derek Carr had no problem stretching the field. He had no problem, you know, True. trying to to throw the 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 far, the pretty good dig routes. And I mean, just instead of taking the what's there, he just he would he would get a little bit riskier with the ball. So I want to see if he goes back and, and kind of has that style a little bit now that he doesn't have John Gruden just telling him, hey, get the get the for sure yards, get the you know do the check down if you have to, you know, protect the ball at all costs. Um, I know Greg Olson, like I said, has, has got the familiarity with, with Derek Carr. They, they worked together his rookie year. Uh, he did call plays his rookie year. And, and Greg Olson also is in all those meetings. He's part of the offensive game planning. Now, it's different when you're actually calling the plays, as you guys very well know. That's something that you got to work yourself into. You got to really, uh, you know, you got to plan one play in the first quarter for something coming back in the third or fourth quarter. So uh, we'll see how Greg Olson does with that. But I think he knows Derek Carr's strengths and weaknesses. So I think that he'll be able to at least set him up for success. 
One more question for you, Q. Appreciate the time. We've got to talk about the defensive side of the ball here. There's some youth there as well, and I'm a little bit worried about the back end. Love what I've seen from Max Crosby this year. Yeah. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edge with his athleticism, you know, and, and the other guys in some depth there filling in. But the back end, they've done so much work recently bringing in young players and developing. Now you got Mullen on IR. Uh, Arnett, I think, is on IR as well, right? And then the rookie, Trayvon Merrig, in center field. Uh, how is this secondary coming together? And you a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball right now? I, I, I'm a little concerned about the secondary for sure. Uh, Mullen's a big loss. I mean, he really is. He was the best defensive back, uh, I think, that the Raiders have. Now, I know they have the veteran, Casey Hayward. He's been playing really well this year. But, I mean, Mullen's a guy that you expected to be there for a while. So him missing uh, three games at least, and he's already missed one, but at least uh, a couple more games, that's a big loss. Damon Arnett, the former first-round pick, I mean, he's he's been terrible anyway. I mean, he's been a guy <laughs> that really hasn't been playing. He's been coming in, uh, you know, in a pinch or when someone else gets injured. So I, I hate to see a guy out with injury, but I mean, he's just been terrible. And, you know, side note to that, the Cowboys drafted Trayvon Diggs in, uh, in round two in the same year that the Raiders drafted Damon Arnett in round one. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't yeah. want to start no stuff, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Follow. <laughs> a little angry about that yeah. situation. But, it's not know. bothering you at all, is it? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I've noticed in some games that Arnett has a, a target on his back when he's in the game. Teams go after him. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. He to pass the mat if Damon Arnett was <laughs> He's not good. And it's unfortunate. He's got the good mentality. He's got the mentality of a defensive back that you want. He just doesn't have the play. It's just not there. And it just it stinks because it's a first-round pick that it looks like that they whiffed on. And that's not the first one or probably won't be the last one. But it's uh, again, the secondary is a problem because of so many injuries. So Casey Hayward's there, uh, you know, Amik Robertson, he's played pretty well filling in for Mullen, but he's he's a little smaller. And Denver this week has some pretty lengthy wide receivers. So that should be a big challenge. I'll tell you one guy I do like a lot, though, is Nate Hobbs, the fifth round pick out. Yeah, of he's good. He's been a good player, and I think that the Raiders really got them a good one in Hobbs. So uh, expect to see number 39 out there on the field a lot, and, and they're going to need him because, like I said, that secondary is really banged up. Super quick, Q. I, I, I know we got to let you go. Do you think Mayock's job is safe? That's a good question. Mark Davis said in a statement yesterday uh, that he's 51% in, in control of roster, uh, the, the alignment of the roster where Rich Versace is 49%. And when Gruden was there, it was 51-49 Gruden to mm -hmm. Mayock. So it feels like mm -hmm. he is, but it's a really good question. And I think maybe it depends on how the rest of the season plays out. And Makes then they sense. make a decision. But, I mean, how do you start to do a coaching search Right with a GM that you don't know if he's going to be there. I mean, there's so many questions that are left in the air. I'll have to join you guys again later on in the season oh, yeah. to give you a better idea. Yeah, a lot to be learned about this Las Vegas Raiders team in 2021, but at 3-2, and two, they still have an opportunity to do big things in the AFC West. And Q, I know you're a busy man, so we got to let you go. Appreciate the time. Find your boy Q on Twitter, at your boy Q254, on all of the airwaves in Las Vegas, talking Raiders, and of course right here on the network, Locked on Bets and Locked on Raiders. Q, thank you so much, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys for having me on. You can save time, and let's be honest, more importantly, you can save money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? There are so many makes and models of cars and it's really impossible now for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why sit there and endure pointless 
seemingly intimidating questions sometimes is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait for some person that's standing behind the counter looking at a screen that you can't see and maybe they only have one possible brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Take control of some of these things. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to do some maintenance for your own car. Make sure you got jumper cables in there. Change those wiper blades before the winter hits so you can actually see out of your front windshield. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com We've got football Tonight, Matt, Thursday night football, the 4-1 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Philadelphia to face the 2-3 and three Eagles on the road, the Buccaneers favored by seven points. How do you feel about this primetime matchup on a short week, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we got an, an old quarterback with a bad thumb on his throwing hand on a short week on the road. I mean, that doesn't sound good. But it's Tom Brady. But it's Tom Brady. <laughs> he, you know, so who cares? I mean, he threw the ball great after his injury in last week's game. He's been down this road before. Um, I'm taking the bucks. I'm laying the points. And a little bonus one here is I put some a couple dollars on Brady for over 25 and a half completions, too. And here's my logic is the Eagles are a very, very heavy zone team. You know, very predictable coverages. Slay's a good cover guy, but they don't have enough guys to match up to Brown and Godwin and Evans. So I think they're going to sit back in zones and Brady's going to throw four yard outs and quick hitters time and time again, completion, ring it up, bring it up and isn't going to get impatient and force the issue. Not going to try to run against Hargrave and Cox who could cause problems. I think it's just going to be pitch and catch to, A.B. on a slant, Evans on an out, you know, methodically moving the ball down the field through the air. And on the other side of the ball, you know, the Bucks corners and secondary right now isn't in a good spot, but I don't think Hertz can really exploit that. Um, it's really odd to me how Philly's been playing offense this year. For some reason, they don't hand the ball to their running backs, you know, even though Sanders and Gainwell were a talented pair and nobody runs the ball on Tampa anyway. So it's sort of a quarterback versus quarterback type of matchup and I think you're know where where I'm picking on that one yeah I it's hard to not pick the Buccaneers straight up so you have to but I think I like the home dog feel of this against the spread I think the Eagles can keep this on a short week against a 44 year old quarterback uh at home I think they can keep this and I What's the what's the temperature? Actually, it's going to be kind of warm in Philly. It looks like so it's not going to be too bad. It's lovely a... here in Pittsburgh. Is it going that direction? Okay. Yeah, it's always lovely in Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, I, I'll take those points for the Eagles in this one. And you mentioned a couple factors there. And I think even though I have questions about Hertz as a quarterback, they should be able to move the ball. They should be able to put up some points. I liked how competitive they've been in a few games. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the interior, and I think that's where Brady wants the least pressure, and that's where the Eagles have been the strongest is Hargrave and those guys on the interior maybe getting in his face a little bit. Bad hand, short week. Give me the points. I'll take the Bucks straight up, but I'll take the Eagles if you're going to give me a touchdown. I think they can at least keep it close at home on a short week. 
I, I mean, there's a good point without question. I think that interior of the Eagles line, D-line, might be the best in the league right now. And we know that that is uh, – it, it's funny. Everyone has the book on how to beat Tom Brady, yeah. but no one's ever really and done it. You can't it. do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's not dealt with interior pressure before. But still, that's the recipe. And back to my 25-and-a-half completion bet, you know, he may sit out the last two series with his thumb or banging on a helmet or something like that, and obviously that would change things. But I think this sets up stylistically pretty well for the Bucks. We've got a London game. Matt, how about this? Back-to-back in London, 6.30 a.m. starts Pacific, 9.30 for you to roll out of bed and catch that kickoff. And it is not a great contest either as far as teams. We've got one combined win here. Trying to make it even worse than last week's London game. (laughs) I think it is. Yeah, we got the 0-5 Jaguars. Bad foreign relations here, man. (laughs) Yeah, Quote-unquote hosting the Miami Dolphins at 1-4. So we've got 1-4 at 0-5 across the pond. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Miami favored by three and a half points here. Can the Jaguars get off the schneid, break their streak of, what is it, 20 or 21 games 20. now? Straight that they have lost. Can they beat the Dolphins in London? It sounds like, I mean, we're recording this one Tuesday early afternoon. It sounds like Tua has a chance to play. Not that that's a massive thing, but I would really like to see him get back, and especially in a good matchup like this, and try to build something with this Miami offense that's really struggling. I've pretty much come to the conclusion that the Dolphins' O-line is the worst in the league. But can Jacksonville really take advantage of that? They're in a bad place. I mean, you give Jacksonville the quarterback advantage, in my opinion, no matter who plays for Miami. But I'm going to lay the points. That's a hard one to stomach, though. I mean, Miami... I think they were 27th in my power ranks and deserve it. I mean, they're not playing well at all, but I think their defense is back. Should be back to playing okay after a rough one lately. I think this one sets up pretty well, actually, for the Jaguars. And I I wonder, and I would love to hear from Jaguars fans, maybe we won't know until they play a game there this season, but they've been in London a lot. Have they developed a home crowd will it feel like a home game at least against a team like the Dolphins who probably don't have a lot of jersey sales in London so I wonder about that aspect of this thing and uh, three and a half points just just give me the points because it's two bad teams and I have not yeah. liked the Jacoby Brissett led Dolphins um, and I feel like there's just enough talent on this Jaguars team they're going to get lucky the ball's going to bounce right at some point and they're going to be able to win a game and the continued development of their uh, young star quarterback, and uh, I do think that he's going to be really good in this league. And is there anybody who has been benefited more from the Gruden stuff taking the headlines away than Urban Meyer, right? So maybe they can right, relax right. a little bit and be in another country and go win a football game. It's possible. I mean, Miami is very ripe for the taking right now. I'm, I wish this was two and a half because I don't know if Miami should be favored by three and a half over anyone right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking Robinson, James Robinson. That's that's Just player of the game in a Jaguars victory. That's yeah, not a bad call. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the Dolphins, but boy, that's a one chip out of five bet. We've got a good one. Packers Bears four and one at three and two. Let's get to that one next. Uh, and uh, an NFC North battle. And if the Bears are gonna do something, this would be a good time for them to. Uh, for for Justin Fields to plant a flag there and not let the Packers run away with that division. Bengals-Lions, Texans-Colts. Let's get to some of these 10 a.m. start time early Sunday games next. 
As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You probably learned a little something over the early part of the 2021 NFL season about some teams. Maybe you feel confident that you want to bet on some NFL spreads you see week to week. Over-unders, MVPs, Rookie of the Year, college football. There are odds, props, contests, an updated site interface at betonline.com. A-G. If you don't want to bet on the NFL, there is basketball, boxing, baseball, Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season and use promo code locked on to get a welcome bonus. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Are you a believer in those Chicago Bears yet, Matt? No, but I think their defense is better than I thought, and it's back to being a, a very good unit. And I think Green Bay, I, I, the word overrated is wrong, but I think that they're not quite you know, a top eight type of team right now. They absolutely could get back to that. So I think the Bears keep this thing close and just run the ball like crazy. I Hopefully Fields gets some more actual carries or scramble carries or whatever. Any way he can run the ball more, but I think Chicago can run this, run the ball, keep it close. I don't think Jari Alexander is playing this one. Maybe one of those two receivers actually gets loose for the Bears. I want the points in this one at Chicago, slow field. You know, hopefully it's muddy and yucky and keeps it close. I have been so enthralled by the young rookie quarterbacks this year, partially because the 49ers drafted one of them, and I have to cover that team very closely. And I wanted to compare those guys now, and I went back and looked at Trey Lance's start. I went back and looked at uh, Justin Fields against the Raiders last Mm -hmm. week. Went back and looked, and I said how uh, I liked how uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing for the Jaguars as well. Justin Fields is coming along. Uh, I The Bears' offense and the offensive line, not great. I think the play calling is better under Bill Lazor, which has been really important for really Justin important. Fields and the Bears' offense, too. Um, so I liked what I'm seeing there. I like the progression there from a disaster first start from Justin Fields. He's making some good reads, getting the ball out quick, which is really important for yep. him. Uh, I think he throws good. it well. Yeah, Oh, and he's, uh, arm talent, fine. I, I think arm yeah, talent yeah. was number one in this draft class when you consider how accurate he is down the field, the velocity. I mean, he's just yes. a great thrower, just pure. That being said, I thought this line was going to be a little bit more, and then I would sneak in there with a home dog pick for the Bears. I just, four and a half is probably not enough to, to chase me off of the Packers here. I just think they're a better team. So give me Green Bay. Okay. The Cincinnati Bengals are at the Detroit Lions. Bengals at 3-2. and two, Lions at 0-5 oh at home. Bengals favored by only 3.5 here. And I say that because 3-2 and two against one of the worst teams in the league, an 0-5 oh Lions team, I thought there was a chance for this line to be a little bit bigger. So to me, it makes it easier to take the Bengals, who are clearly a better team. Okay, I'm going the other way. I'm, I don't know if we'll get to Houston at Indy today or not, but... I kind of got on a soapbox early in the year that I'm gonna. I want the Lions and Texans plus points as backdoor covers, play hard type of teams, and I'm gonna go with it in this one because I think Cincinnati's a good team and much improved. The defense is legit. I just know don't know that they're gonna blow people out. And I know this isn't a huge number, but I think Detroit scores a late one and makes it look closer than it was. I thought it was interesting. Actually, these two teams we talked about back-to-back, Packers and Bengals, last week. Aaron Rodgers, I saw a report that he had some words for Joe Burrow after the game. He told Burrow, slide. 
You're too damn talented. You've got to, mm. you've got so much in front of you to accomplish in this league. Sometimes you got to slide. I would have said the same thing to Andrew Luck. Yeah, so, and some of these rookies that we're talking about yeah. too, like you, you brought up Lance a couple times, and it, I, that's a long conversation. And it's great advice that, sure, some of these veterans on the team might be gain some respect for you for sticking your head down, but. We need you for 17 games. We don't need you for this series. You know, I mean, be think big picture as a quarterback. It's great advice. And as long as he does continue to slide and, and not get his bell rung and, and stay healthy and not get his ligaments torn, I love Joe Burrow. Uh, I don't think – I think some people are, are putting him in a little too high of an echelon. I, I like him, don't love, love him, but I, 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 he's a really good player, and I think he's going to be really good for the Bengals for a long time, and I just think that the, the Lions can't much match up defensively, so I expect some big right. plays with the passing game. Um, Bengals, three and a half is not enough. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, uh, if this was in Cincy, I would do it, but I think in Detroit, uh, I'll take the points. We will get to those Texans and Colts. One in four Texans at the one in four Colts. Uh, a narrow loss last week for the Colts, a heartbreaker there. They're favored by a lot for a one in four team. They're favored by 10 points at home against the Texans. That's just too much for me. I mean, I mentioned the the playing tough philosophy and all that. Both these teams probably played their best game of the year last week. I mean, the more I think about it, Houston probably should have beat the Patriots. Mills played well. That definitely was Indianapolis's best game of the year. I mean, they didn't pull it out in the end. But Wentz is playing well. I think Pittman's really stepped up. Hopefully they feed Jonathan Taylor more in the second half if they get a lead. Like, I didn't understand that philosophy against Baltimore. Uh, I like the Colts to win, but a 1-4 team laying that many points, I'll take the points. Same with especially with how good the Texans played last right. week. They showed some some life there. Ten points for the Colts right now is too many points. It's too many points. So Colts straight up, sure, but ten points is too much. So give me those points for the Texans against the spread. I mean, they're not an explosive offense. I mean, they're. It, 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 I don't know how they beat anybody by ten right now. I keep saying that about a couple of these teams, but I, I think Houston deserves a little respect. They're still. 31st in the power ranks, but they, they're they not going to just lay down. and you know, get, get We've got time for one more game here, and we'll tackle the rest of these games right. tomorrow and preview and make our picks for the rest of the Sunday and Monday night schedule. Los Angeles Rams are favored by fewer points against the New York Giants with all their injuries and stuff than the Colts are the Texans, and I get the Colts are at home and the Rams are not, but Rams favored by 9.5 over the New York Giants. This is a 4-1 and one team that's, you know, that's in everybody's power rankings in the top five, at least in the top three in most places and in some places, top one. And you've got the New York Giants that are battered and banged up and not good. And they are at home. Yes. But I, that's that's a tough one for me to say that the Colts should be favored more over the Texans than the Rams should be over the Giants. OK, so you're, you're taking L.A. here, right? I'm taking L.A. Uh, I'm taking L.A. on the road. Nine and a half. Let's go. Concussions are always tough, but as we were recording, I got a blurb on my phone. Daniel Jones is practicing with the ones. If he plays, I'm taking the Giants plus the points. If he doesn't, no. I mean, Mike Glennon getting out of the way, you know, avoiding Aaron Donald, mm. no. You know, mm. that's a bad, bad recipe. But if Jones plays, I think they have the weapons and the defense to keep it close. And a lot of it's the cross-country road trip, one o'clock start, easy to take the Giants lightly. You know, Stafford's played well, but the last couple games looks like maybe he's fighting something we don't know about. 
I think they win, but I think Daniel Jones will keep this in close, probably with some garbage time production. Yeah, there could be definitely some of that, you know, trap game feel to this for the yeah, for the yeah. Rams in in the cross country jet lag and all of those things. I, I just don't like the the injuries and the vibe going on there, and I think the Rams should be able to roll out of bed and beat the Giants. Oh, I think they do. I just don't know if by that big a number. I mean, it's not like Shepard's going to play. Tony, I mean, no Barkley, probably no Galladay. Who knows? I mean, their their skill guys are crazy. How about that real quick? So the breakout from Kadarius Tony last week, and we've seen more and more usage from Rondale Moore. Uh, It was a late first and an early second round pick by the Cardinals and the Giants, respectively. Who would you take right now, rest of career? Would you take Kadarius Tony or Rondale Moore? Tony, although... He seems like a volatile human being. <laughs> you know, I would. I wish I could sit down with both young men and have a character assessment. But I think Tony Moore's the more developed receiver. But I can't get over Rondell Moore is five seven, not five seven and a half. He's five oh seven oh, where Tony's six one, and every bit is elusive and explosive, if not more. Tony did work out of the slot, out of out, you know, on the outside. It's not an easy question, but I'm going to take Tony. It's so funny because you see it all there with Tony last week. He has his breakout yeah. game. Some guys get hurt in front of him, gets the opportunity, 189 yards, making big plays. They gets ejected from the game. It's <laughs> right. amazing. For punching someone, yeah. Yeah. So, Kadarius Tony, uh, he's he's an interesting Who do you player. Want? Yeah. He'd be a lot of fun. Um, in this game, oh, out of those two guys? No, more man, Tony, yeah. I was blown away by Rondale Moore last week. He is so hard to tackle, and he's yeah. climbing up that depth chart with some really good players, so that tells you how good he is. But Tony is your more pure, he's going to start being normal outside wide receiver for that reason. I think that's the reason he got drafted first, obviously, because you, he's more projectable sure. as, like, this is just a regular wide receiver that can make plays. Whereas Rondale Moore, you've got to scheme some things, more gadgety. But this day and age, with what we're seeing, with what teams are doing and offensive coordinators are doing, and you can move him around in the slot in the backfield and catch and run, and he plays bigger than his size, I think... He's more fun, so I'll take Rondale Moore. I it's, it's certainly a conversation. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, the tiebreaker to me is the size. Just for if I'm going to throw a deep dig into traffic yeah. or a post route that he needs to go up and get it, you know, uh, that's not what Moore can do. That is a good conversation. We'll have to revisit that in coming years because um, I thought maybe Tony got drafted too high, but I expected also that more would get drafted later because of and that. That's another factor is the injury issues. So, you know, for mm-hmm. both players, making sure they stay on the field is important, but just at five, seven, I thought, oh, he's a dynamic athlete and everything, but uh, is the team really going to draft this guy in the top 50? And yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pretty amazing. They, right. no, they both look like they're hits though. Yeah. They, they're, they're very fun players for sure. All right. Good stuff. That is part of the schedule for week six. We'll finish up our preview and picks for the rest of the games tomorrow. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here. Peacock and Williamson.